Jay Farner here, CEO of Rocket Mortgage. Making the right financial decisions has never been more important. When you turn to Rocket Mortgage, we can help guide you to those right decisions now when they matter most. Mortgage rates are near historic lows, so now is a great time to call 8338-ROCKET. And if you need some extra money, a cash-out refinance could give you that financial boost you're looking for. Call today at 8338-ROCKET or go to rocketmortgage.com to learn more. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. And MLS number 3030. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T.com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to the show. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. Thank you for joining me today. And I'm very hopeful today about our show because I'm actually going to talk with us about hope. And how important hope is. And we are at a time, certainly, in our all of our lives, but also in the life of our country, our nation, where hope sometimes feels not as available to us. Or maybe it feels like it's hard to hope, hard to have hope. Because what hope really is, is it's an emotion and it's an optimistic state of mind that's based on an expectation of positive outcomes with you know, respect to different events and circumstances in your life, one's life, or the world at large. And so many times if we use hope as a verb versus a noun, it means that it it's expectation with confidence. It's to cherish a desire with expectation or anticipation. So it's this hope that we are building positive emotions because we're believing that whatever it is that we're hoping for is going to occur. And so when we lose hope, see, this is a very, very important aspect. And that's why I wanted to talk about it today is that we have lots of research, lots of studies about patients that are struggling with uh, debilitating diseases, sometimes life-threatening diseases, chronic diseases. And the impact of hope on a patient's recovery process is supported amazingly with amazing amounts of research, empirical research, and theoretical, different theoretical approaches. And so we see that hope, when it comes to someone's condition, is imperative for there to be health and healing, even if the hope maybe leads to the need for grief and loss. 
because maybe the hope, what we hoped in, didn't occur. So I want you to think about this idea of hope. And I want to give you this wonderful verse because we talk about this in Proverbs 29, 18, and it says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom and wisdom's instruction. Now, if we look at it in the New Living Translation, it says, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. How about the Berean version? It says, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. And I like this one. This is um, the contemporary English version. It says, without guidance from God's law, an other order disappears. But God blesses everyone who obeys his law. And so this is so poignant for what is going on in our nation today. What might be going on in your family? What might be going on in your own life? Is that we see that when we don't have vision, we don't have hope. And so what we want to think about is if we're just living day to day and letting life as it comes dictate how our life is affected and whether or not we are enjoying our life, believe in our own life, are committed to our own life. Because without vision, the Bible repeatedly says we perish. Or without vision, without guidance, without a plan, we run wild. We lack restraint. So I want you to think about this. This is usually what I tell my clients. I say, you know, don't let your insecurities, your past hurts, your fear, your doubts, past mistakes, and weariness, which remember we did the show on weariness. Don't let that cause you to lose the vision and succumb to hopelessness. So I'm going to tell you that again. Don't let any insecurities, past hurts, fears, doubts, past mistakes, weariness cause you to lose your vision. Because if you do, you end up more easily able to succumb to hopelessness. So George Washington Carver, he was a prominent African-American scientist and inventor. And he was born in 1864, he died in 1943, and he was born into slavery. And he went on to become a botanist and one of the most prominent scientists and inventors of his time, as well as a teacher at the Tuskegee, oh my gosh, I have a hard time saying that, Institute in Alabama. And this is what he says. He says, where there is no vision, there is no hope. So you have to have vision of who you want to be what you want to do, where you want to go in life. Solomon, in his wisdom, certainly under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote that proverb, that Proverb 29, 18, that says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. And if we look at it another way, it says, If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. See, when there's no vision, the people are unrestrained. They can't focus. They can't reach their goal. They can't follow their dream. 
So this means that if people don't know what to do, they usually don't do anything. Or they go and do their own thing and can become very ungovernable, deprived, depraved, you know, lack moral restraint, and cannot be reined in. In other words, it's a, it's a loose cannon. And so I don't know if you've ever experienced that in your life, that all of us, I know growing up and at different points, we wish, oh gosh, why does there have to be so many rules, so many regulations, so many things that are telling me what to do? What, what we understand is that when God says, he who, he, he who God sets free is free indeed. What he means is that we have freedom to feel, to think, to enjoy life, to, to dream. At the same time, the way that we are able to be safe while we're doing all of that is to understand that there has to be law, there has to be rules, there has to be regulations that guide us in order to get the outcome that we truly desire to have. And, and I frequently am telling this to clients when I say, imagine if there were no driving laws, if people just drove however they wanted to drive. Imagine if your doctor had no rules of ethics and he just practiced however he wanted to practice and maybe even used you as an experiment. So we have laws to help keep order, not to oppress people. And so God never oppresses us with a law or with an edict. What he wants is for us to have safety. And safety requires work. So what I want you to think about is that when we see, like th this, I like this saying, this is what Pastor Rick Warren says. He says, my imagination influences my aspirations. My imagination influences my aspirations. So in other words, your dreams determine your destiny. To, to accomplish anything, you must first have a mission, a goal, a hope, a vision. And so Jesus Christ had a clear vision of what his mission and vision was. As a result, his life had purpose, it had meaning, it had fulfillment, and he achieved his mission on earth. Now, remember, this doesn't mean without pain. And I think that's the most difficult thing is that we have these great aspirations and great ideas. And, and I know I'm a big idea person. I love to think of all the different things I could do, would do, should do, ought to do, can do, can't do, whatever it is. But what I want to remind myself of is that the vision has to be supported with morality. And I have to also check my own motives. See, we know that Jesus' life had purpose, but it certainly did have pain. And I'm sure that he didn't achieve everything he dreamed of achieving. And so, or maybe he did. I, you know, I, I'm not a Bible scholar in that way, so he, he very possibly could have achieved everything. I know he said his work was done. But what we want to think about is we don't all know all the inner workings of Christ and the conversations he had with the Father. And so we do have in John chapter 8, 32, it says, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. And I can't tell you how many times I tell this to clients. Sometimes the truth is painful. But if it is the truth, you always feel freer. And, and it's an interesting juxtaposition because you would think that the truth, even if it's harsh or sad or bad or mean or painful, that it wouldn't give you hope, but the truth actually always leaves us with hope. So the word truth means reality. 
We want our reality to be true. Now, we have a lot of things that are real and feel real that may not ever become true. But Jesus is saying you will understand what it is, the truth, and it will make you free. The way you view life can feel and look very real, can make perfect sense, but it may not be true. So this is what we want to think about. What is the truth? The truth is, you know, see, we we see what we believe to be true, but it's not necessarily always true. So we have to seek out the truth because the truth is part of the foundation of hope. If we're hoping in something that is not true, then we're being deceived. So someone once said, a man without vision is a man without a future. Man without a future will always return to his past. I love that saying. I'm going to say that one more time. A man without a vision is a man without a future. 30 seconds. A man without a future will always return to his past. So vision is actually a spiritual understanding. So I want you to, ha- to really hang in there with me and we talk more about this idea that hope is required because without it we perish. Welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you so much for joining me today. And we are talking today about hope and vision and revelation or whatever it is, this aspirations, these types of things, because in this day and time, we might be losing some hope. And it's hard sometimes to hang on to hope when what we see doesn't seem to to really support our hope. And so I like this Proverbs, it's 2918, and it says, when the people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild, but whoever obeys the law is joyful. So we know that there is safety when we, when we have laws. Now we want the laws to be just, we want the laws to be helpful and correct, just like we have driving laws, just like there are, are laws that, that people that have certain professions have to practice in order to be safe. And so we also understand that when there's no vision, this is when in, in Proverbs it says the people cast off restraint. They run wild without guidance from God's law and order, that the, then the order then disappears. And so, you know, I loved that, that saying that we just left off in the last segment with it. it says, a man without vision is a man without a future, and a man without a future will always return to his past. And so Helen Keller, you know, amazing woman, was asked, what would be worse than being born blind? And she replied, the only thing worse than being blind is to have sight without vision. So Helen Keller, she's born a healthy child in in Alabama in the 1880s. And when she was born, she could see and hear, but lost both abilities by the time she was 18 months because of a high fever. And few people believed there was any hope for such a person as this, that she could never achieve anything significant in life. But Helen proved that the deaf blind can learn 
graduate from college, write books, and affect change in the world. She was famous from the age of eight until her death in 1968. And the story of my life, this is My Life is Helen Keller's, this is her account of triumph over deafness and blindness. And this is what one of her famous, most familiar quotes, the best and most beautiful things in the world cannot be seen or even touched. They must be felt with the heart. And so the Bible is really clear. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And that's Hebrews eleven six. And if we try to function in any other way than from faith, we're going to malfunction, actually. So that's why worry is ungodly and fear makes your vision short circuit. We have to be careful about the worry, the worry factor in our life, how often we indulge in worry. Because we were never meant to be afraid. Jesus was filled with faith. He was the calmest person on the earth. He slept soundly in the middle of the storm. And when his frightened disciples woke him up, he said, do you still have no faith? And he was telling them, if you have faith, you will be able to keep sleeping during a storm as well. So although we know the world is suffering, it's also full of the overcoming portion of it. So what I want you to really concentrate on is, again, what I, what I started this off with was this, this saying, this idea that God gave me that says, don't let your insecurities, past hurts, fear, doubts, past mistakes, and weariness cause you to lose the vision and succumb to hopelessness. Because that's what happens. If we are not practicing faith, if we lose vision, we become hopeless. So let's think about this idea of hope and what hope can really do for us and what it means to truly believe that, see, we can't have vision and believe for the vision if it's not supported with hope. So who are we hoping in? And this is frequently what I, I run through with myself. I talk to other people about. I speak with clients about. Who is your hope in? See, if my hope is based solely on myself, I will probably be let down. I have been several times in my life. Now, sometimes I pull it off. But we want to make sure that what that vision is is grounded in what we know to be true, like we talked about earlier. And we want to make sure that that vision, because it's grounded in truth, is able to give us hope, to continue to sustain hope as we are making sure that vision comes to life. So let, let's read this story. This is Mark chapter 9, 23 through 25, and it's the New International Version, one of my most cherished stories. And this starts in verse 23. This is Jesus. He's giving a rhetorical statement. He says, if you can, if you can, everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me with my unbelief. 
And this is the story of the, the, the young boy that would have seizures and throw himself into the fire. So this little discourse between this father and Jesus is really important because this last statement that the father says, I, I, I do believe, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. So that's kind of a, that's kind of a contradiction. But I know you've been there, I've been there, where I say, you know, globally, I believe God can do anything. I do. I know he can. I believe that. I teach that. I encourage that. But you know, it's really important to me in my life. I might struggle with actually believing that God can or will do it for me. Will he do what I am dreaming of? Will he do what I think I'm needing? Yeah, I believe that God can do anything. But do I believe that what I'm asking him to do, that he will respond to, that he will make it good? And this is where I want you to really practice hoping in the person that is able to make the dreams come true, not hoping in the dreams. And that if I get my dreams made and, and they come true, then I'll be happy. I want you to hope in the person that can make those things happen, for, for real. So when I hope in God and I say, hey, God, this is my dream, or this is what I think I need, this is what I think I want, this is what I think the world needs, this is what I'm praying for when it comes to the elections. This is what I'm praying for my children about or my husband or my clients, whatever that may be. See, I feel much more confident with those prayers because I'm not depending on them for my peace of mind. I'm really giving them over to God and I'm saying, God, if it be your will, your will will be done. So I don't always know if I'm praying God's will. I like to think I am. But the trust issue is huge. This is where we can overcome unbelief. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about this idea of everything is possible for him who believes. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you have a blessed Sunday. And, and this leads you into a very, very positive and productive week. And so make sure that you check out the podcasts. You can go to iTunes, and iTunes will take you to whatever podcast server you uh, have a tendency to use. And we have study guides as well to go with that. And make sure you check out the website. We really appreciate you looking on the website at Facebook, you know, any of the Instagram or, you know, any of these types of social media platforms that we try to encourage you and really support you in a day-to-day basis, on a day-to-day basis. So we're talking about this idea of without vision, the people perish. Without vision, the people have no hope. And so we're talking about this um, story in Mark chapter 9. And this is about the father who is wanting his son to be healed. And we read, we read the verse, chapter 20, uh, verse 23, in the last segment. And this is the discourse between Jesus and the father of this son. 
And Jesus said to the father, if you can, because the father said, Jesus, if you can, will you please heal my son? And Jesus said, if I can, if you can, he says, everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. So this is what's so important. The more that we know Jesus, the more we know God, the better we, we have that, that understanding and that relationship with the person that is truth, the embodiment of truth. We will better know what to believe in. See, we can believe in all kinds of things, but is there truth in it? I can believe, you know, I might have a client that says, I believe I can jump off this building and fly. And I say, well, <laughs> get ready for two broken legs. Because no matter how much you believe you as a human can fly, the only way we've been able to fly was the creation of the airplane, right? And so this is where you want to say, okay, I need to be really talking to God about what am I be really believing and what am I really asking for? What am I thinking that I'm wanting God to do for me? And this is why in, in, it goes down farther into this. And Jesus replied, truly, I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to the mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and it'll be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Now, this gets a little confusing sometimes, because then it seems like I could ask for anything. And God is saying, if if you believe it, you'll receive it. So what I want you to think about is this, this other idea that many times God listens more to the heart than he might to the idea. So if you're saying, you know, I, I believe God, I'm asking for a million dollars and I believe he'll give it to me. Maybe what God will make sure happens is that you get the income that you need by giving you a job. So you have to think about, we talk literally just like little children. So many times little children ask parents for things that, they, that the parents say, there is no way we are going to give in to that want. But what we can do is this. This would be much better for them in the long run. So we have to remind ourselves that God is a father. And he loves us to the point that he sent his son to die. Just so that we could be with him forever. So as we look at, at this verse, I want you to think about what is the heart of God? And when you are hoping, when you are asking for something in faith, who are you believing in? And who are you truly asking for the help from? Are you just kind of saying in passing, hey, I know that God can do this, so maybe God will do this for me and then I'll go do my life and have a great time. Well, you have to remember that this is a relationship with God. So when I'm asking God for something, and I'm saying, and I believe you can do it, well, God can do anything. But I have to consider the relationship. The one thing I know about God is that he really doesn't need anything. Now, we can say that he needs relationship, and that's why he made people. Okay. But you have to remind yourself, God doesn't have another God that he goes and prays to. So when we pray to God, we are wanting to trust that he knows more than we could ever know and that he loves us more than we could ever be loved. 
And he is far more concerned in our well-being, us becoming who he has created us to be, enjoying the life eternally, forever, in the way that he designed it, versus the you know happiness we may have from any given moment to the next. So this is important to, re- to think about relationship with God when you are asking, and that you don't you know, insult him by saying, well, I don't think, you, I don't believe you can do this for me. What you want to say to God is, I believe you can do whatever you can and want to do for me. And I know it's always going to be for my good. This is Cynthia Hyatt. Join me in the last segment as we talk more about nothing is impossible. And without vision, the people perish. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you again for joining me. If you're just tuning in, you can listen to the show in its entirety on your favorite um, podcast server. We ha- we are on most of them. If you can't find it, go to iTunes, and it will it will take you any place you need to go to be able to download the show and listen to it. So, thank you so much for your support and also just your participation. And so today, we really are talking about this idea of hope. And without vision, there is no hope. Without vision, the people perish. And so I I wrote this saying that I want to read to you one more time. And it says, don't let your insecurities, past hurts, fear, doubts, past mistakes and weariness cause you to lose the vision and succumb to hopelessness. Because without vision, we do become hopeless. And many of the verses, in tr- the, many of the different translations of Proverbs twenty nine eighteen says that if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they intend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. And I like this one. That, that it says, you will know the truth, the truth will make you free. And that's John eight thirty two. And so a man without vision is a man without a future. And a man without a future will always return to his past. And I I, I love that saying. It is so powerful to think that vision and hope is, is one of the most important qualities that human beings need to be participating in. And so we want to make sure that as we go forward in this time, we have the elections coming up, that we say to God, my hope is always in you. You always know what's best. And Lord, you are taking care of this entire process, and we trust in you. We trust in you. And that we want to make sure that we get our vision from him. And that our vision is not coming from our own self-serving desires, hopes, and dreams, or our need to be pain-free. So when we think about this idea that nothing is impossible for God, God never, never loses. He may give in, but he never loses. So there's lots of things about this concept of nothing is impossible for God. So, so this is what it came down to for me. I see, because I began to think that many of you may struggle just as much as I do with this concept that nothing is impossible for God. And maybe many of you have things that you know are impossible. 
you know, that you or a family member or a friend may have financial, emotional, physical, relational problems, that you've been brought to the end of your possibilities. And we can feel that way right now when it comes to our country because we've got lots of things that are going on in our country that are difficult to accept, difficult to understand, to tolerate, and to not lose vision, to not lose hope. And this is why this is so important. And it comes down to this statement that God gave me, that I I pray regularly when I don't know necessarily what to pray. And I say, Lord, if you don't do it, it won't get done. This is as truly as good as it gets for me. I've done everything I can do, God, and I'm weary. I'm disappointed, and I don't know if I can even hope anymore for anything different. I'm resigning myself. Maybe this is your will. Maybe I just need to accept this. And that's my heart to God. I just say, you know what, God? It, it's, it's your will. It's your way. And if you don't do it, it's not going to get done. I've done everything I can to make whatever that aspiration is, whatever that vision, whatever I'm hoping in, I've done everything that I can do. And so my hope is not in me anymore. My hope is truly in the Lord, that his ways are higher than mine and his ways are always better than mine. So I like these verses that, you know, we have that says, God, nothing is impossible for God. With God, all things are possible. God's arm is not too short to save. Nothing is too hard for God. So these are amazing statements, and I know in my head it's true. (laughs) I mean, I've read about the miracles that God has done, and I've experienced miracles in my life. And I've seen miracles in the lives of my family, my friends, my clients that are uh, staggering, unbelievable. But yet, when I'm presented with a new dilemma, right, an enduring or chronic thing that is going on, which is what we have right now in our country. I have to really question God over and over again. And I say again, oh my gosh, God, what are you going to do? What do we, wh- this is what we think we need. This is what we think we want. How is this going to play out? And I have to remind myself, where is my faith? I have history with God, that he's done wonderful things. And that he's been in this process with humans since the very beginning of time, and he existed before time. So this is an important first point. When we are hoping, we want to look at history. And our country has really pretty good history. We have some really bad parts of it. But we have overcome many things. We've stayed here for a long time. We have done some amazing things as a country. So we can trust some of our history, just like families do. Families get through things, just like relationships do. So we can trust in many ways our history. So do you have history with this country? Do you have history with people in your life? Do you have history with the company you work for, with churches, that might affect or color the way you react or think toward them? Are you thinking only about the hurts and the, and the negatives? So this is important, that history is one of the most powerful variables in developing and strengthening and or destroying our trust. So faith has to be founded in trust as well as knowledge and belief. So let me give you a little, 
a little like a quotient that God has given me, a, a, um, a way to put this together. And so I say to myself, knowledge plus evidence in history plus my belief and trust equals faith. So knowledge plus evidence, history, plus belief, plus trust equals faith. So when we try to believe the above statements, we often try to muster up or, or, or will ourselves to have faith in God for what we need. So where does my faith come from? Is it a feeling? Is it an action? Is it simply knowledge or, or thought? So God in his mercy gives us the above variables as a way to support and strengthen our faith so that it's unshakable and enduring. So he gives us knowledge. He gives us evidence, history. He gives us the ability to believe. And he has worked in our lives and in this world so many thousands of years that we can trust he loves this world. He loves every country. He loves every person in the country. And so he is very much involved in what happens to this world. That's where our faith is. So when we think about knowledge, we say, you know, who does God say he is? When, I, when I'm thinking about who am I believing in, the knowledge I have of God is who he is, who he says he is, what his character is, and that he has these qualities, love, justice, purity, honesty, etc. So when I am working on my faith, I say, okay, God, who do I know that you are? And I remind myself of all the things God has done. And it builds up my faith to be able to believe to believe for something that seems difficult, this, to believe in something that is important to me, that may I may get let down. And so I practice building up my faith with knowledge. I remind myself of all the things he has done for me, all the things he has done for people that I love, the things he has done throughout history. I remind myself of who that God is. That strengthens my belief. And I work on trust. And I say, you know, I, I trust who he says he is because of what he's done. And when I really think of that, I think, how dare I not trust this, this God who is constantly laying his life down, even when no one appreciates it? And how can I not trust this person when he has not ever let me down? So even if things don't make sense to me, I can trust I know who he is. I have good history with him. Our country has good history with God. So we believe in who he is, even if it doesn't make sense. So all these put together produces faith, which gives us hope for the impossible. I'm going to say that again. All that produces the faith, faith we need, which helps us to hope for what may seem impossible. So Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. And that's what the ancients were commended for, that by faith Moses did, by faith Isaac, by faith Jacob, by faith Noah built this ark, right? So what we're seeing is that faith needs to be more than just our will and our knowledge. It must be relational. 
Trust, knowledge, history, and belief are the necessary components within intimate relationships. So again, God's grace and mercy even supersedes a lack in any of these areas. And we see this in the following passages. And that's when God says in Mark 9, chapter 3, verse 25, If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for the one who believes. And we see 2 Timothy, chapter 2, 13. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful. I mean, what an amazing thing to say. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful. So what we're seeing is a way to increase and strengthen and support our faith. And it's to focus on the relationship we have with God and to become more relational with God. And so Matthew chapter 18, verse 3 says, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And see, in verse 4, the study notes say that if he does not humble himself in becoming a little child, see, that exhibits trust. God wants us to be like little children that trust him implicitly. So Mark chapter 14 Verse 34 says, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. This is what Jesus said. He said, Stay here and keep watch. And he fell to the ground and prayed to the Father. He said, If it's possible, let this hour pass from me. But then he said, Abba, everything is possible for you. So what are you hoping for? What are you discouraged about? And because you continue to ask and God seems maybe not to hear or to care, I want you to strengthen your unbelief. And I want you to not be angry with yourself for unbelief. I want you to just tell God, hey, this is all I've got. I'm afraid to believe because I don't want to be let down. So let's start today as little children and recognize that God is our Father. And He has been the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. And He will never leave nor will forsake his children. God bless you this week. I'm praying for you and talk to you next week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from our website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version.